Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming, so what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So, please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Welcome back to Natural Health for People and Pets. I'm the co-host of the show, Glenn Cook, and I'm just about to introduce the host of the show, Narelle Cook. However, we have a guest on the show. We've got Chris Essex from Big Dog. And just prior to us doing the handover to Narelle and Chris, what I want to talk about is a while ago on the show, Narelle and I were talking about how we're not sponsored by Big Dog. However, because we actually do use the product and our dogs are doing so well on it and we believe in the advocacy of it, Narelle spoke to Big Dog and since then we have an agreement in line, or Narelle does. It's a relationship. It's a relationship, yeah, yeah, but a good relationship, like I said, because of the advocacy of it. They now have a relationship with each other through a sponsorship for the podcast because, like I said, the product's great. We really believe in it. And, you know, I know Narelle doesn't do things in halves and she checked it out. And that's why we wanted to have Chris on the show. So I'm now going to be quiet and Narelle's going to take over and we're going to talk to Chris about his time and investment into Big Dog. Yeah, so I've never kept it a secret from the listeners how much I do believe in the big dog pet foods for my own dogs and for my clients' dogs. So I am super excited to have Chris join us today and to help highlight to all the listeners all of the reasons why I love big dog and why they should consider it for their own dogs. Mm. So Chris is the founder and the owner and still the managing director of Big Dog Pet Foods. And we're really appreciative to have him on the show today because we've just had the snap lockdown in Brisbane, Australia for the COVID. Mm. So it's a really disruptive time for Chris and his business at the moment. So thank you for joining us, Chris. Really appreciate the time you're taking out of your day to be here. It's absolutely my pleasure and uh, appreciate the opportunity. I know how hard it is, even now in 2021, for raw food feeding to be accepted across the board. So I can't imagine just the challenges you would have faced and the barriers you would have come up against like 20 years ago when you first established Mm. Big Dog Pet Foods. It's almost unheard of back then to get into raw food feeding. So perhaps if you can share with everyone why you decided to go into not only pet food manufacturing, but raw pet food manufacturing and just some of the challenges you did face coming up with a a non-traditional pet food at the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been quite a ride. As you said, it's uh, our 20th year now, so it's been very exciting. But I think uh, it's probably best that we go back to what I studied and and I did study food science at university. I went to Gatton College there and um, and then from completing that course or or that science, then I went and started working in in the small goods industry. We're a division of Woolworths at the time, and I worked my way through as a QA officer and QA manager, operations and production. So I got a really good exposure, I suppose, um, with the manufacturing side of things from a raw material all the way to a finished product. And that was for, for about seven years. I was in a pet store, which then I, I went to a pet store one day, and I was talking to a gentleman there, and I was saying, oh, what's your background? Have seen you, blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about this raw diet that, you know, that, that there'd been books that were written about it. There just wasn't anything on shelf or available to sell. You know, it was make your own sort of mm. sort of products and that. And that was written by uh, Dr. Ian Billinghurst. So mm. 
you know, I read those books and um, and I did have a relationship there with Ian eventually. We started manufacturing for him. But uh, after reading the book, I just thought, wow, this is just a super product and this just makes sense. This is just common sense. Why are we feeding these highly manufactured diets to our dogs? You know, it, it was just like it felt like fast food to me for our pets. And, you know, I'm guilty just as anybody else. You, you know, I even had a nutritional background and I'm still feeding my poor fella. I think at that time it might have been canned product. And you just go, you know, you do, you sit back and go, wow. And so it's a bit of a light bulb moment. At that point in time, I was 26 and I'm thinking, you know, I'm ready to uh, to have another crack at, uh, I'll have a crack at a business. And so that's what happened. But I, I was kind of moonlighting. I was doing my, my day job and then I started Big Dog Fair Foods and then we, we were just slowly working on those, those recipes and the formulations and whatnot. So it was exciting, but it got to that stage, I suppose, where we weren't, we, we just weren't getting enough traction from from the business point of view, and I needed to just finish up doing what I was doing and really wholly, solely concentrate on this raw feeding. Which, as I said, it's been twenty years, and, it, and there's been a lot of ups and downs, but it's been quite the ride. And there were some serious, serious uh, challenges presented to us because I remember going into stores, knocking on doors, and, and saying, you know, this this is the product. It's uh, it's called Bath, and everybody would look at me and they go, you know. Isn't that what they do over in the US and when they throw up or whatever? And so, yeah, <laughs> I think I heard that. I think I heard that comment so many times. But um, you know, we're lucky. We just kept knocking on doors, and the benefit of having books written about it from from Doctor Ian Bellinghurst certainly helped. It was his name on it on that particular product at that stage as well. So we got those opportunities. And we kept knocking on doors, and uh, slowly but surely, we've got to where we are today. I didn't realise you had that relationship in the early stages with Ian Billinghurst. That's phenomenal. We were manufacturing Dr. Ian Billinghurst's product for, it was nearly eight years. So we were the manufacturer, but we were also a distributor for Ian in, in Queensland, New South Wales. You know, a few things happened in business and yeah. uh, I don't really want to go too much into what went down there, but Ian just decided to go another way from a manufacturer's point of view. And lo and behold, that gave us an opportunity then to run with Big Dog as our brand. And, you know, there's certainly a few stories out there. I hear them. They pop up every now and then about what actually happened. But, you know, at the end of the day, as I said, it gave us the opportunity to, to work on our label. And I wanted to change a few things anyway with regards to ingredients and, and some of those sort of products there. Mm, it's great. And certainly don't need to go into those details. A lot of the listeners may not realise that Big Dog use 100% human grade ingredients and one of the things, and it's all Australian produce, and one of the things that Glenn and I have spoken about in previous shows and one of the things we love about Big Dog is the transparency around the ingredients that you use, the quality that you use and just the whole manufacturing process. Like You really are inviting, like on social media, you're inviting people into your factory and seeing firsthand exactly what you're doing. So it's quite unique in the pet food industry for someone to be willing to be that open with their product, which I think speaks volumes in itself about the quality of the food that you're producing. But maybe if you want to just outline why you decided to go down that path with your transparency and maybe a little bit about just the quality control around the manufacturing process itself, because I know a lot of people do have concerns when it comes to raw food manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're just so proud of our product and what we do and the ingredients that we do put into the product. And the transparency is, is all about giving the confidence to the consumers. You know, what we're actually putting on the label, what we're putting out there is actually what their dog or cat is going to receive. And the industry is demanding transparency now as well, which I think is fantastic. And I honestly mm. believe the raw food sector, we've been transparent pretty well all the way through. It's now these other industries or the other categories in the, in the pet food have to catch up to where we were. But 
you know, we're not resting on our laurels where we are a big dog. We really want to go to the next level. We won't rest until somebody can get a particular lot number, for example, on their packaging or, or the set of numbers that's indicating the day of packing. And I really need to make it available on the internet where they can just punch that code in and they can see our internal testing done. We've just invested in, for example, a, a FOSS machine that uh, will throw out all the macros, your proteins, fat, calcium, uh, phosphorus ratios, moisture, fiber, all that can be tested. And we do that after every batch now. So if we're capturing those results, we want to feed that through to the customer so they can actually follow that journey or, or actually see that day when it was processed and what those results look like. So, you know, it's just that form of transparency that we really do want to hit. And we want to be the leaders with transparency. But getting back to our ingredients, it is, it's all coming from human consumption businesses. And that might even, some of those suppliers are going back from 20 years ago when I was in the small goods industry that I'd created relationships with them and then they've supported us on the way through. They know my standards. They know how picky we can be. Just because we're processing pet food now, they understand now because they've been a number of deliveries rejected or battered over the head by myself. So, mate, it doesn't matter if it's pet food. It's Mm. still at the human consumption qualities that we need. And our entire process through our business is as if we're manufacturing a human consumption product. That's what the team understands and that's what the business is trying to achieve all the way through. And it's even more important when people realise just how poor quality ingredients can be if it's feed grade or pet grade produce. I won't go into it in this podcast, but it could be the lowest of the low in terms of quality. So to hold up those standards and to have held relationships with manufacturers and suppliers for such a long time, I think speaks volumes to your integrity and your beliefs in the type of product that you want to produce and give to the consumers. I agree with what Narelle's saying, Chris. I think your marketing team is doing a wonderful job when I look at those videos that you've put on Instagram and so forth, where it does advocate what you're actually doing in the factory and the warehouse where you're doing your blending and selection of materials that you're putting in and then your packaging and everything. Like You're basically telling an open story of what's happening. And then when you go further and start investing in evidence-based data that people can actually see, you know, what's been produced with your material. That's fantastic. Because I remember years ago, I used to be an electrician. I was specializing in refrigeration. And I remember years ago, I'm talking 30 years ago, I won't name the manufacturer, but I went out to a manufacturer's plant and it was putrid. I got to see the livestock, well, the dead stock coming in, you know, and it was basically just fallen product it was awful. Like it was a really horrible experience to see that. And I know that um, the efficacy inside the industry has really improved considerably. Like, for example, people like Brittany Young, who, you know, they're influencers inside this industry and this spectrum of talking about what people are producing and what they're doing inside the raw food feeding industry. And for her to come away and endorse your product and say, you know, what you guys were doing was very open. There's a lot of transparency there. And then when you get on the social media and you're showing people that regardless of whether we've got a sponsorship agreement between us or not, that just goes to show that you guys are very ethical in what you're doing and you're bringing to market a very fresh product and saying to everybody else, raise your standards because this is what pet owners and pets should be having access to. So that's a big thank you. Well, it's a thank you as well. It's, a, <laughs> it's lovely to hear and for people to recognize what we are trying to achieve out there with that full transparency in what we're doing. Yeah, thank it's, you. Especially, I mean, it's no secret. A lot of, I mean, Glenn and I, we don't have children. We have five dogs and our dogs are our children, dare I say it. But, you know, people want that extra quality for their dogs because that's for a lot of people, their dogs are their lives and they want that human quality 
Well, they want to know that the quality that their dogs or their cats are being fed is the best it can be. So that's what I love with what Big Dog is producing. And the other thing that's great, and I talk a lot about it with the education I do for my clients as a clinical naturopath and nutritionist for dogs and people, I see a lot of sick people. And so cleaning up the diet and minimizing the addition of synthetic additives, like anything, preservatives, colors, flavors, just chemical fillers. I'm always trying to pull that out of the diet of my dog clients and my people clients as a way to improve their health. So big dog doesn't put anything synthetic in their foods, which I imagine is a challenge in itself because it would be so easy just to meet nutritional standards by putting in a vitamin and mineral mix. It's so easy to do that and so available these days. So you've made that decision not to, which I love. Thank you for doing that. But what are some of the challenges around that? And how does Big Dog ensure that our pets are still getting everything they need nutritionally without adding in those synthetic vitamins and minerals? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, uh, you know, we've been challenged on that quite a few times with uh, regards to complete and balanced NAFCO standards. And it's certainly something we've had a number of discussions around internally with the, with the management team. AFCO is a standard and look, hand on heart, and I am a raw manufacturer, I know that, I'm, I'm, and I could be a little bit biased, but I honestly believe what they're expecting us to put in, in dog food to make a complete balance, you might as well get a bag of sand and throw in a vitamin mix in, potentially, if it's tested, that, that they're going to meet uh, the AFCO standards. Mm. So it's really designed more for a highly processed diet and maybe even kibble more so than anything. But we obviously did a, a feeding trial with AFCO because we did want uh, to give that confidence to our consumers. So we did that with, uh, with our charity of choice, which was his smart pups. So they have a number of puppies going through all the time and, there's, um, and we feed them. So we've been feeding their colony for the last three years. So we just thought, well, it just makes sense now to do a feeding trial. So we get the vet involved and they, we have to take all, the, um, all their bloods, obviously, and, and this all the way through. Each week, you, you, you're testing bloods and, and everything else that the vet needs to see and what AFCO has identified needs to be done to ensure that you've, you've met that feeding trial. Tell Is us that, about SmartPup. Oh, well, SmartPups, they're just a wonderful charity. They're there to support children and families that uh, are disadvantaged to some sort of capacity. So it could be autism, it, it could be anything. But these dogs are trained specifically for that family or, or that particular little boy or little girl that um, might be challenged. Mm-hmm. One example I think of was little Akira that we um, ended up buying a dog for four years ago. She used to have 150 seizures a day. So, you know, the dog was trained to recognize a seizure approaching and it might be a simple thing to, to stop a seizure and the dog would just go over and put his head on her lap or something like that and pacify her and that might assist with, with not having a seizure. So, but there's so many different things that they can train these dogs with. They're absolutely unbelievable. And I was at a luncheon just on Friday you know, and you can't help but get a bit teary every time they put something up on the screen and, and watch what these dogs are doing for these children. They're, you know, they're, it's a, a wonderful organisation. They're not supported in any way. It's just purely through sponsorship. And uh, the lady who started it, the business called Patricia, she was um, just the most humble person. But, you know, what they're achieving now, I think they've now trained 250 dogs for families. So the quality of life just changes for that family. They're allowed to go out now. They, you know, they all go together and they've got this dog. So now they can go to the beach. They can go to wherever, whereas you, they used to just be too scared to be able to go out the doors essentially because it can be challenging out there. So, you know, it just gives the confidence to the to the child and also the family to go and, you know, have a life again. So, yeah, it's a wonderful charity of choice. 
Well, good on you, mate, for getting behind it, not only just throwing some dollars at them, but also believing in the project itself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's the whole business we love. They come around every week anyway, and you know, all the girls in the office love it. They get a cuddle of puppies and, mm. and the older dogs. So nice. it, is, it is a wonderful um, organisation. Just coming back around to the synthetic nutrients and the, you know, the AFCO and the feeding oh, yeah. trials and things like that. You know, I do talk a lot in my education of people about that AFCO meeting those standards isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And it certainly doesn't guarantee that your dog's going to live a long and healthy life. But I can understand the need to do it as a company, to have that complete and balanced claim on the label, because unfortunately, a lot of consumers, they do need that reassurance and that peace of mind that everything is according to AFCO. But the other thing people may not realise, you're right when you say that the standards are more applicable to kibbles because, I mean, just through the processing of kibble, the extrusion process and those high temperatures, I mean, they're losing out pretty much most of the natural nutrition that comes from the food, even like the poor quality food that goes into kibble. And then it loses most of that nutritional value through the processing methods. So they do need to add a lot of synthetic vitamins and minerals and preservatives and everything else along those lines. But people don't realise that because you're dealing with a raw product and you're freezing, like snap freezing pretty quickly, I imagine, once it's packaged up, like that in terms of the nutritional value of a food, I mean, that preserves the greatest amount of nutrients anyway. So I guess it's great that you've done the feeding trial to give people that peace of mind. But just the food itself is going to have a much higher value nutritionally regardless because just of the way you're manufacturing, the quality of the produce that you're using the freezing process that you're using. So I don't know if you want to say anything more about that, but it's just a really good point about the standards aren't always required, I guess. Mm. Yeah, and that is the challenge, obviously. The pet parents out there, they just want that confidence that they're doing the right thing. And unfortunately, with the marketing and some of these standards, it, it is questionable. But talking about Big Dog, you know, we're, we're sourcing as, uh, as nutritious product as we possibly can. We don't need to add those synthetics because they're bioavailable, but the the dog can digest them much more appropriately, and that's why we grind to a finer, a finer size as well with our, our ingredients to assist that digestive factor. But again, as soon as you start processing and um, heating, more, the degradation of that nutritional quality within that product is obviously going down very quickly the further you go. So, and heat is obviously the worst out of, out of the whole lot, which is some of these foods out there, they're not even starting with much, mm. and then they're going through this entire process. So they, they pretty well are just a sterile product, and then they've, they've got to add these nutrients back in there to give it some sort of nutritional quality, unfortunately. Whereas us, we're starting with raw, fresh products. The process is very quick. So essentially, once we start manufacturing a batch for, of beef, for example, we've really got that beef ground, minced, formed, and in the freezer within two hours. Oh, wow. Um, so that whole, yeah, that whole step is, is very quick. And you're quite right, we don't use preservatives or fillers or colorants or anything like that. It's, it, if it's not natural, we don't use it. So our only means of preservation is freezing. And it is uh, essential to us that we do pull them down, pull that temperature down as quickly as possible. And we're, we're normally pulling that down within 48 hours. You know, it's in, it's in a frozen state and ready to go. So we can always get better with our efficiencies and we end our processes. And that's something that I really do enjoy with my background and the team enjoys, you know, what? how can we do this better? And to be perfectly honest, we've had to with the increase in volume that we've experienced with just pure growth through our business and especially the last couple of years. So it can be challenging at times, but it's a lot of fun. That's for sure, because we know the end product that we're going to achieve and what we what we are trying to achieve and do for, uh, for the pet parents out there is certainly a massive driving factor for us. Mm. 
I'm just wondering, Big Dog have quite a variety of different proteins that they use across their product range, which is great because, you know, as a company or as a clinician, I'm always promoting the idea of feeding a wide variety of different foods across time. And the great thing is, you know, Big Dog has that variety that I can offer. But during particularly the last 12 months with COVID, have you faced any issues with sourcing a lot of those proteins to keep up with demand or it hasn't really impacted your industry and your business specifically? Yeah, it certainly impacted our industry. I do hear where some of our competitors are certainly challenged on from a raw material point of view. But I think the beauty with us is that we have been working so closely with some of our suppliers for the last 20 years. They know what we what we need and, and are more than happy to have grown with us. You know, some of some of these bigger suppliers, we were very tiny when I first started, but they've just been terrific to work with. So you know, whether my order is 10 tonne this week or whether my order is 40 tonne this week, they're certainly working very closely with us. And, and you know, through the through, I mean, COVID, we've, we've never really been let down, which I think goes a long way for our, especially for our, our customers out there, which I'm talking about stores and that. Um, nothing's more frustrating because they don't want to have customers coming through and pet parents coming through and going, well, my dog can only eat this particular protein. Mm. Where is it sort of thing? So it can be very frustrating for the pet parent as well. So, you know, our customers don't want it have to have that challenge. So it's been very big, but it's also always been a step in our business plan to ensure that that consistency is going to be there and the growth factor is going to be there as well with our supplies. So when we do have to push the button to a certain degree, um, it's there and available. I guess it's great that you're not having to rely on fresh produce being flown over from overseas when all the shutdowns with the airlines and things happen. If you're using local produce, I mean, there are still challenges with border closures. But yeah, no, I think it's great that you're using Australian produce and Australian farmers, supporting them. I have a family background. My family, half of them are farmers. So I'm all for any company that supports local. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, it's lovely to be able to assist as well to a certain degree. And, you know, that's, that's a very genuine conversation I've had with some of our suppliers and the farmers there is, you know, what were they going to do with this product just because it's got a small blemish on it, the bigger corporates won't accept it and with the Woolworths or, or something like that. So they're just um, plowing it back into the, into the fields or something like that. But, you know, so much hard work that goes into play and then just one little blemish, they can't do it. But it's perfect for us. You know, it's going through our process. We're going to, we, we want it to pulp it up and, and make it as fine as possible to a certain degree to help the digestion of the dogs and cats, as I said before. And, but it's just nice to be able to give them something back rather than them wasting money and plowing back into the field. So it's a really nice story. And it's something that from Big Dog's point of view, it's something that we want to do more on the social media sides and on our website is just talking about our suppliers and farms and what they actually do as well. Yeah, people may not realise, but the Big Dog website, it's so full of information and different resources and education points. So I do highly recommend, I mean, we'll mention it again at the end, but um, that people do jump onto the website to read more about it. And any, you know, frequently asked questions, you know, they're all covered there about raw food feeding. So I guess one of the main questions that does come up that I hear, and I'm sure no doubt that you do too, is about the risks and the dangers of raw food feeding. So I don't know if you want to speak about that a little bit and your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think from a raw feeding point of view and and for our pet parents out there, you've got to understand that there will be some sort of bacterial load on these foods. It it is natural. And not all bacteria is bad. I think they get certainly a bad rap you know, probiotics, et cetera, you know, that's, that's bacteria. Sometimes they want to feed raw, but they don't really understand that. Oh, I feel sometimes pet parents don't really understand that, oh, there is going to be some sort of bacteria within our products. But, you know, that bacteria helps with the digestion, et cetera, et cetera. So 
But the beauty here is even if the nasties are there, and there will be some nasties from time to time, if you've got a really good clean process, you've got really good supply chains that have good processes in place and QAs, et cetera, that are, they're doing their, their checks along the way, your bacterial load is, is very low. So that's what we aim to. Your bacterial load arrives to us. We, we start with a, a low bacterial number, and then we, we process accordingly as quick as I said, two hours, it's through. It's all under nice load temperatures. So we're not really the, – the bacteria don't get that opportunity to proliferate either because they kind of they're, – they're, they proliferate between 10 and 60 degrees roughly especially the bad ones. So we're keeping it under that all the way through and then we're freezing as quick as possible. So the controls are there along the way. Now, does that mean that our raw food is, has no, no bad bacteria? No, that doesn't mean that at all. It does mean that we've got good bacteria. It means we've got bad bacteria, but it's all a numbers game. And we, we want to support the good guys, so we throw in stuff as well, like uh, with our new formulations that are coming out. You know, some of our some of our products is going to have kombucha, it's going to have kefir, it's going to have um, the highlights of other probiotics that's going in to support the good bacteria to outnumber the bad bacteria, and then you're not really going to have an issue at all. That's my take on it. That's great. <laughs> and I guess people are quite closed, do I say closed-minded or just maybe just not... Ill-informed. A, Ill-informed is a better way. Yeah, mm. so that, you know, there's so much around the risks of raw food feeding, but many people don't realise that kibble is a major source of a lot of nasty bacteria like salmonella and it can survive in a bag of kibble for you know extended periods of time and a lot of the outbreaks when it comes to food poisoning related to dog food there's probably more examples far more examples coming from dried foods and dried treats than there is from the raw food side of things and it is common sense we I mean we're meat eaters in our house so you know every day I'm handling raw meat for us and it's the same common sense, you know, hygiene principles apply, whether it's for a dog or a a human. So it's kind of a bizarre argument to have really considering this is going to be around no matter what. And dogs are, they're known as carriers. They pick up things off the ground. They eat, you know, like if there's possum poo on the ground, they're eating all that sort of stuff and everything anyway. So how could you entirely know that it came from the food to begin with? And I mean, Absolutely, I agree. If people have got bad feeding practices and or bad, let me say, bad manufacturing practices, that's definitely going to affect the gut health and the, the you know, the systematic health of a dog. No matter what, it doesn't matter whether that's kibble or a raw. However, you know, there is always, as you said, and and Narelle said this before, there's always going to be some bacteria around on the food anyway. And the difference, it, it's like the old medical saying, the difference between the, the poison and the cure is in the dose. You know, we have to have some of that bacteria in our system for our system to be able to combat that as well. And it's going to be there no matter what. So I think from my understanding, and I don't have the field of scope that both of you have in this area, I'm more a passenger where you guys are in the driver's seat in this. But from my point of view, I think this came down to more of a spin doctoring and a marketing point of view to deter people from doing this when there's considerable investment with other type of practices. But that's just my sceptical mind thinking out loud. Oh, look, I'd agree with the bias that's been put out there to consumers by certain companies of dog food. Well, if you've got an investment in, you know, like a hefty investment in something, wouldn't it be in your best interest to protect that market if you can have a, a bigger slice of it rather than share it with somebody else who's going to start taking some profits off your top end? It's no secret either that I've started to do some technical writing, some articles for Big Dog. And, you know, I've got a really strong research background. So I'm always looking what's out there in the scientific literature. And when you do actually take the time to look, 
the studies, it's not all against raw and, you know, as a source of pathogens. And there was this amazing study, like it was a worldwide study done where they assessed nearly 17,000, it was about 16 and a half thousand households across the globe who feed raw to their dogs, pets. And they were looking at transmission of bacteria, pathogenic bacteria from the raw food to the people who lived in the house. And At the end of the day, if someone got sick in that house, I think it was only like 0.2% of the pet owners or household occupants actually got sick with what they thought might be a bacteria from the meat. But when they actually cultured to determine if it was, I think it was like 0.02% of households, they could actually match the bacteria from the meat with the bacteria that say the person had gastro or something with what was causing their, their gastro, which is pretty negligible and it just really highlights that the risk has been blown out of proportion and people just accept that without actually understanding you know what the data what the science is saying and it's the same with the risk or the fear that dogs that are fed raw you know shed a lot more pathogenic species of salmonella in their feces now all dogs have the potential to shed bacteria in their feces they do that's just what they do studies have shown there was a a paper about I think they were assistance dogs going into hospitals and they assessed all the poos of all the dogs and some that were raw fed had no salmonella whatsoever in their stools and some that were 100% kibble fed had a lot of salmonella but you know vice versa so it's not a guarantee just because a dog's raw fed that you know suddenly you're going to have this massive load of pathogenic salmonella in your house and in your carpet and it's just not the case so that's my two cents on the risks of raw food feeding and honestly for anyone most of our listeners have pet dogs I'm sure you have dogs too Chris but it's unavoidable that we're going to get like a tongue on our face or in our mouth you know when we least expect it from our dogs and we're all not sick and dying that's right it's just living with dogs yeah 100% and even without the food or whatever food that that dog eats they naturally have some of these pathogenic bacteria within their systems anyway. Mm. So, you know, and, and humans the same. We, we carry some of these pathogens. Exactly. Um, you know, we're not sterile. So, unfortunately, some of our pet parents, you know, they, they do take the advice of some professionals out there that don't really understand nutrition and don't have that background in, in, in bacteria and in just the basic understanding of the bacteria. You know, and mm. as soon as a dog gets sick or diarrhea or something, what do you feed? I feed raw. Oh, that's what it is. That's the challenge. That's the problem there. You've probably got a salmonella and, and it just opens up. You know? mm. So it really is a lack of knowledge and understanding out there. And unfortunately, some of these, these professionals are, are just, they're not helping us in any way, <laughs> shape or form. It's a good that's point sure. though. Like we all do, like our dogs carry bacteria, we carry bacteria and, you know, we carry pathogenic bacteria, but it's like we've said previously, it's all about the proportions and you know, what's sort of flourishing at the time. And even with our own health, we're more likely to get sick and have that overgrowth of pathogenic species if our immune systems are compromised. And a big, like the biggest contributing factor to poor immunity in, you know, what I see day to day is poor diet, whether it's for us or whether it's for our dog. So, you know, a dog on a commercial kibble that's just full of rubbish and, you know, synthetic ingredients like I do think their immune system's compromised and they are more likely to get sick. And if there is any bacteria, you know, around it, maybe, you know, it's more likely to sort of take over for those dogs, but put on a raw food diet that's more species appropriate and, you know, less artificial. I think it just puts them in a better place. So, I mean, we're all talking to the converted among ourselves on this topic, but... um, But there are people who are listening to this podcast who don't understand all those metrics. They just don't have an idea of it. Like they're being 
Well, basically what I what I found as a consumer myself is how easily led you are by marketing sometimes. And marketing teams don't care about the evidence. They care about not all marketing teams. I was going to say, uh, yeah, depends let me, on the let, integrity of the yeah, company. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that all marketing teams do that because some marketing teams are absolutely brilliant and they do work within the realms of science and they do consult and their advocacy of, of products is actually quite good. However, there are some out there who are just purely preserving the bottom line. And you know, like I've seen that evidence in biases before where certain companies are influencing a lot of professionals out there who are not asking the questions. They're just towing the company line. So whatever the myopic mantra is that they're spilling out at the end of it. I mean, that's even getting into education portals where people are basically being educated and coming out of that education with their degree believing that what they're told is the end story. So they start pushing the company line as well until they start realizing, hang on, I'm talking about a side, but there are so many more sides that I haven't even considered. And me being, especially people who are science-backed, actually using that knowledge and that empowerment to actually go, let me research further into this. And they're looking out and consulting with people like yourself and Narelle and everybody who's in the industry and going, wow, there's an entire world outside of my education portal that has now educated me further on a balanced spectrum about it. And if you know anything about me, Chris, my whole background, especially in dog training, is all about considering everything, not just considering half of a whole. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, just one other point there I'd like to make because you're spot on, Narelle, with the you know, the stimulation of the immune system by eating raw, natural and, and healthy diets. You know, the whole digestive process is much more efficient as well. And also the microbiome is, is much more healthier. And again, it's as I said before, it's a numbers game. So the good guys outweigh the bad guys as it's going through that process. And even the pH of the stomach of, of yeah. the dogs as well from a raw raw fed to a, to a processed diet. So there's a, there's a number, number of factors along the way, which ensures or which can control those numbers of bad bacteria if they found their way through the process that get destroyed anyway. So it really is an important part, you know, when, when, when we're talking about the, the raw foods of and the microbiome and the bacteria and that, it, it all plays their parts of the thing. So I'm not going to bog everybody down there talking about that today. But it's true though, a healthy dog has a pH gastric acid that within 15 minutes I've read in some papers should be able to pretty much kill any pathogenic bacteria that are coming in, which is why they can eat dead animals and poo and, you know, whatever else is rotting on the ground and be fine with it. Probably a good, a good point about it is probiotics. So we've just released a new probiotic product as well. So we have the particular strain that's a spore strain. So it can actually, it, it forms a, a spore, you know, a shield around it itself. So it can go bypass the digestive process. It can't be destroyed, but that's such low pH, you know, acidic environment there. So it, it passes it through and gets into the intestine and the colon where it needs to be. Same as with the other strains that we have in our, in our product as well, they're microencapsulated, and that, that, that's done specifically to bypass the digestive process so it doesn't get destroyed along the way. You know, unfortunately, there's a number of probiotics out there, brackets, bacteria, that as soon as they hit that gap, they're just destroyed and you're wasting your money. You know, so it's the same principle, really. Yeah, I don't think people realize when it comes to quality control with supplements, particularly with probiotics that are so fragile, that there's a real science behind getting a quality product that's going to do what it's claimed that it will do. So I'll probably have to do a podcast on probiotics specifically to talk about what people should be looking for in that regard. But it's really fascinating. I didn't realize about your new product. Is it out yet, Chris, or in the works? Yeah, no, we've just released it. What's it called? So like it. We- Big Dog Probiotics. It is a brand new. We've had it. We've had one out there, but we've really revved up the um, 
uh, the level of CFUs per gram. So we're going to be hitting around 20 billion mm-hmm. per dose, which is huge. And there's um, there's five, six strains there. One, as I said, is a spore and the other are the, the lactose. And um, yeah, they're micro-encapsulated to ensure that they get right through. We're blending that with the green banana starch, the resistant starch there as the prebiotic. And yep. then um, there's enzymes involved with it as well. So it's a it's a terrific product. We've, we've had some really good results coming back from it, but it's all about those numbers as well. You know, that is so high in specific strains that will complement the dog's digestive system. Yeah. Like it's fascinating. I didn't know about the probiotics, so I apologize that I wasn't on top of that. For That's the, okay. Um, but it was only yesterday I was listening to a webinar on postprandial endotoxemia. It was in, it was a human based webinar, but the whole endotoxemia occurs just so the listeners know, like when the gut becomes more porous and allows lipopolysaccharides through into the bloodstream, which are just sort of an exotoxin from pathogenic, certain pathogenic bacteria. But once that gets into the bloodstream, this scientist from the US was saying it could pretty much be contributing to most chronic disease states, whether it's autoimmune, polycystic ovary syndrome, you know, all the metabolic syndromes, type 2 diabetes, things like that. But what he was talking about in the presentation was the huge benefits of spore-forming bacteria in helping to reduce that endotoxemia that happens, particularly after we eat and the gut becomes more porous, and sort of blocking that uptake of the lipopolysaccharides, which then sort of fuel that chronic sort of systemic inflammation and various disease states. So I just love that Big Dog has incorporated some spore-forming bacteria or one species into their product. So I think that's great. I'm really going to have to do a podcast on probiotics and talk about all these different, um, <laughs> the different research out there. And because different strains, again, a lot of pet food supplements are so vague in their labeling, but you really do need to know what's in there because different species have certain health benefits or not. Anyway, we'll talk about that another day, I think, mm. probiotics. Yeah, it sounds like another uh, podcast for you. Yeah, but and, really uh, excited. Leak, leaky gut and et cetera. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of information coming out about that now. And there's so, much, so many more studies on the on the probiotics. It's really very interesting. And it's, they're responsible for someone. But that's why they're saying that they're our second brain now. Our gut's our second brain. And that's all coming from the, the interaction of the bacterium and the microbiome, obviously. So Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's really it's interesting to people like yourself, Narelle, and myself. Some of the other listeners probably aren't so excited about it, but it is pretty exciting. Well, yeah. you find that's a growing audience. I think people are more educated, Chris, these days, and that's why they're demanding more. And that's why people like you who are being more transparent and more companies need to get on board with that sort of advocacy in this industry as well is because people are being more educated. There is a rise in what people are actually looking at and how deep diving they're going into the subject matter now. Absolutely, Glenn. I think, uh, and that's why we're probably seeing, um, not probably why we are seeing that that growth that we're experiencing. I think our, our pet parents are so much more educated and it's a breath of fresh air and, mm. and they, they kind of just won't tolerate bullshit, which is also mm. a breath of fresh air as well. You know, it's um, they, they go and they do they re- their research and, and that's all what we're trying to do at Big Dogs. We're going we're gonna to tell you as much as we can, but you're the pet parent. You need to feel comfortable in what you're feeding your pet because you do have other influences coming at you as well. So we'll give you the information and then you just make that decision. If you need any more, you know, we're, we're here to help, but. Pet parents are much better educated. And there's a whole number of reasons for that as well. There's a lot more studies and research and information from pet companies putting that out for them as well. But the internet, all that sort of stuff, has certainly helped in the last five, six years, that's for sure. Yeah. So we'll start to wrap it up, Chris, but what's your opinion on the sort of the future of 
pet food in Australia now. I know you do some collaborative work with Pet Food Industry of Australia and things like that. So yep. where do you think things are going to be heading going forward? So there, there is, um, you know, obviously some work being done there from the PFIAA, which um, more or less uh, is assisting with putting standards in, in place for, for Australian pet food and legislation in place for Australian pet food, which I think is great. And that comes from all brands as well. It's not just raw feeding and, and drawing, whatever. There's a number of us there. So we're just working our way through that standards right now. But again, it, it can only be put forward to the government and then the legislation will take place from there and, and then we can follow it. I really hope that the transparency factor is broadcast quite clear and loud. And I think that that's definitely a focus for us with uh, the advice moving forward from a, a labelling perspective, ingredients, blah, blah, blah. That's going in there. From a raw food side of things, I think this this uh, category is just going to continue to grow and it's, it's shown that in the last two years been the leading category in, in pet food stores, which is really exciting. And um, there is a lot... You know, if you actually look at the numbers on what pet food, uh, raw pet food really represents in the amount of food that's fed to, to all of our pets out there, it's so, so small. So there is so much room for us to, to continue to get some traction. And I am very confident that we'll get to some, you know, it, it'll be a common. That's my goal. My mm-hmm. goal is for, for raw food and, and these dice just to be a common food that's just accepted. And most people understand or everybody understands the benefits and why they're feeding and, you know, be accepted on all levels too. So not just a, a pet parent and a pet store, but I want vets, I need professionals all understanding why if they're going to offer that advice on nutrition, you know, they need to cover all their bases on what they're saying and telling the pet parent. But I think it's exciting. I agree. I Sorry. definitely think the industry is growing and it's raw food feeding is going to become bigger. But there is there are a lot of challenges with, you know, certain industry professionals in sort of getting over that hurdle around that mindset that raw food is dangerous to yeah. our pets. But I think, that, I mean, that's what we're all doing in our own individual ways, trying to get educated and get the message out there that, you know, it isn't something to be feared, actually something to be promoted. But we really, look, we've really appreciated your time. I know you're a busy man and particularly this week with COVID and lockdowns where you are, still trying to manage your business and staff and things like that. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, heaps, Chris. It's really been great having a chat with you and keep up the great work, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. I really, uh, really appreciate the time here with you guys today. You know, available anytime and I am lucky to, to be able to slip away from them. I've got a great team behind me there. So, And to all the pet parents that are listening and supporting us, thank you as well. Well, hopefully uh, somebody will come back with a question one day that we can all collaborate again with and and have a chat about it. And uh, maybe there's some questions about something that you're doing or a product range or anything like that. Or where did the name Big Dog come from before we close out? Where did did you pick that from? That's a good question. Well, when we went to register the name, it wasn't Big Dog. And as I said, I was 26 and pretty naive at that stage. And I just sent my wife in to go and register one name, which was, was actually called Blue Dog. (laughs) <laughs> to tell the tell the truth, and, and that was after one of my favourite greyhounds at that time. And um, anyway, she got there and processed, it and they said, "Well, you can't have that; it's retaken." So my wife literally just rang me, said, "Well, what have you got? Anything else?" I said, "Nope." And she started <laughs> rattling off, and she said, "Big," she said, "Big dog," and I said, "That's it; that's a good one." <laughs> and that's, that's how hysterical. that's how it came. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it, there's there's not a lot of thought put into it originally, but uh, well, that's how it came up. It came from necessity, so there you go. So I just, if any of the listeners have questions around Big Dog and their products I and mean, what they're doing, they're best to jump onto their Facebook page, so Big Dog Pet Foods. The website, bigdogpetfoods.com, like I said, is full of resources for pet parents. So 
jump on there. If you want to ask me a question, you can find me on my Facebook page. So Natural Health for People and Pets is the one associated with the podcast. You can go to my website, naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au or email me at norelle at naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. And don't forget in June, the 5th of June, it's a Saturday, I'm doing my full day canine nutrition seminar. So it's going to be awesome. The feedback from previous seminars has just been fantastic. So it's a full on brain draining day of all things around canine nutrition from behavior, raw food feeding, commercial foods and allergies because allergies always comes up as such a big topic for pet owners. Big dog for everyone who attends. Well, the first 30 people who attend will be given a free box of like a three kilo box of big dog raw patties. So Extremely generous. Yeah, really generous of big dog pet food. So thank you. So jump onto my website to read more about the seminar and the details and to purchase your ticket as well is all on my website. So don't miss it because the demand from other states is huge. Like when people know what it's about, they they just want to be part of it. So mm. jump on that for sure. Hey, also a big shout out to Jean as well from Big Dog. Yeah, love Jean. She's been amazing with coordinating things with me over the last 12 months. Yep. So yep. that's what I was thinking when you say <laughs> marketing people. Are... <laughs> I'm like, no. Yeah, so was I, so was I. Yeah. I know, no, Jean's <laughs> been, Narelle talks very highly of Jean and what she's doing and how she's working with you and your product and everything like that. So nothing but big ups for Jean. Yep. Thank you. Yes, she's very passionate. She's a naturopath as well. Yep. So um, she's very passionate about our industry and our business and um, she keeps me in line, that's for sure. Well, she's doing it for all the right reasons, which is why we're giving her big ups. Correct. Just that point, sorry, I know we have to wrap up, but just the fact that Jean's background is, you know, as a naturopath, like I love that she brings that perspective to Big Dog and just the philosophy around everything that you're doing, like her background is just so in sync and it's such a synergistic and beautiful relationship. Like I think mm. that natural medicine and the big dog pet food brand. So when I found out that that was Jean's background, like we were, we can talk for hours if we get on the phone, Jean and I. So, so not, not on business time, of course, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, well, I think that's the beauty, beauty as well. We've got two food scientists. We've got a naturopath and We've also got another gentleman who's um, who looks after our supplements division, Alex, who's uh, also studying um, nutrition as well, and he should be completed within the next twelve months. So it's nice to have a, a bunch of us that we can we can bounce ideas off and whatnot, especially with product development and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. So it's quite exciting. And now, uh, just talking about the probiotics as well with your um, next conference, Narelle, let's throw some probiotics out there as well for uh, for you. Oh wow! Guess as well, we'll sort something out for you. Thank That's you. Awesome. That's very nice. generous. Now people have no reason not to come to my seminar. <laughs> so yeah, well, the big load ups that you're getting from Big Dog. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I want to go just to get there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what we can do for you, Narelle. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. We'll leave it there, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks and, so much. Um, catch you next time. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, guys.